Oh, good morning, everyone. Thank you, Pastor Tim, for allowing me to share this morning. And I'm kind of excited because you were just talking about world changing and, and challenging us to be world changers. And that is actually what my message is today, <laughs> is about being a world changer. And uh, yeah, the Lord's been laying this on my heart. Actually, this was a message that I kind of began a few years ago and never finished. And then uh, when this opportunity came to come and share today, uh, it just kind of all came together. So I, I thank the Lord for that. And you see, I've got my got my props with me. It's really, you know, just <laughs> kind of like the way we, the way the Lord speaks to me. I think all those wonderful years that I've been enjoying in Kidman kind of makes you think this way, and that's all right. That's all right. So we're going to talk about all these today. It has something to do with the message. So I'm excited. Um, anyway, today is April 30th. Tomorrow is May 1st. It's May. May is here. And in May, in my life, a couple of things are really special and precious to me. Now, one is Mother's Day, of course, you know, that that is, and that that's a little bit of a poignant one. Um, I had a, a dear, sweet mother, and she passed many years ago, but thankful for her. I'm thankful to be a mom. Uh, so there's Mother's Day, and then there's May 19th for me, which is um, my father's birthday and my mom and dad's anniversary. And so I'm going to talk about them a little bit, but basically the message today is about making lasting impressions and how we can be a world changer, because we all can. In the Kidman world, um, that's kind of what we're telling the kids, you know, go out and, you know, what are you going to do today? We're going to change the world. Hey. You know, <laughs> and it's not a, just a kid thing. What? It's for all of us. We need to be going out. I'm going to change the world yeah. as we go Monday morning to our jobs. Woohoo! I'm going to change the world. Absolutely. All right. So that's what we need to do. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And I'm going to start with talking about my mom and dad. You know, because they shaped me, they helped form me, they made an impression on me. Like I said, May 19th always brings some poignant memories for me. Um, I was blessed to have really wonderful parents. Um, and I, <laughs> anyway, I just, I am so thankful, so thankful for them. Um, definitely blessed. So I'm going to give you just some memories and some lessons, just to begin with, that I learned from my awesome mom and dad. Now, from my dad, Here's the things I learned. Patriotism. He loved America. I mean, <laughs> he loved America. He served in the United States Marine Corps during World War II. He was so adamant about entering. Now, this was before he met my mom, before that, but he had been married before and had eight children. And they were like, no, you, you know, he's still going to volunteer. And they're like, oh, no, <laughs> you know, you got eight kids. He went out and quit his job and forced them to take him. Nowadays, that might not seem like a very popular option, but back then, you know, there was a write-up about him in the paper, and he was a hero and everything, but he loved his country. He had a brother that was taken prisoner of war, and nothing was going to stop him. And so he uh, ended up joining the United States uh, Marine Corps. And when, uh, as I was growing up, he didn't care to watch TV shows like Gomer Pyle or F Troop, because they made the military look silly. 
and he would have none of that. That makes it sound like he's this really stern, and, and he was when it came to his country, but he was a very loving, passionate man with, you know, how he felt about his family, how he felt about his country. It was a, a big deal. So he passed that on. I remember growing up with that in the 60s and 70s when it was very popular to be protesting, <laughs> you know. And so, you know, that's how I was raised. And his patriotism, his love for his country influenced his sons, his grandchildren, and now great-grandchildren. That vein continues in our family of just loving our country and serving it as best as we can. Uh, there's several of our family that have served or are serving in various branches of the military to this day. So he taught me patriotism. He also taught me a strong work ethic. And Dad worked as a foreman for a scrapyard. That doesn't sound like a very glamorous job, and it was not. But what that meant was he basically did whatever needed to be done. And he worked long and hard there. And he came home every day covered in grease and the grime of the day's tasks. And from my earliest memories, I remember once a month, Mom and Dad and I, and I was a child, like we think seven, eight years old, we would sit around the table and Dad would work on invoices that he would send out. We'd be, he'd be working from home that evening and Mom and Dad, Mom and I would help him. I remember my job was to help fold the invoices and put them in the envelope. We all had a job to do, but he had a strong work ethic. It's like, this needs to be done and we're doing it. And we did it together. I just remember my dad really being a hard worker. He didn't get paid much at all, but that didn't matter. He had a job to do and he did it with excellence. And he made me feel truly special. He always called me, called me princess, and he treated me that way. And I said dad had eight children. Dad was older than mom, and so he basically started a new family with us when they married. And so I have lots of half-brothers and sisters. Most are with the Lord today. But um, when I grew up, I was like an only child until my brother came along. So he treated me really special, called me princess. Of course, Tim, as you know, that's what the name Sarah means is princess. <laughs> anyway, he, he really treated me well, loving and, and well. Once, on one of the truly rare occasions that I heard my parents argue, I found a note on the table the next morning at breakfast. He had already gone to work. It was a note apologizing for his behavior from the night before. In the heat of their argument, I wandered into the living room, and he rather sternly told me, Sarah Ann, just go to your room. You know, and so I did. This was not normal for my dad to speak like that or to say anything like that. You know, it bothered him enough that he made sure he left a note for me. I'm so sorry. I should not have talked to you like that. I had to have been maybe seven. But boy, does that stick in my mind. I'll never forget that, how much he had love and value for our relationship. From my mom, I learned care and compassion. Her father, my grandfather, lived with us. His health was failing, and my mom took care of him. She would not hear of putting him in a nursing home. She was pressured by other family members, and no, that was not going to happen. It was her dad, and she was taking care of him. There's a lot back and forth about that, but at that time, she was like not letting him go. Uh, my and so we did. I remember taking care of him with my mom, just helping as much as little me could. All through my life, I had cousins, brothers, half-brothers, and sisters routinely coming to live with us as they were going through a transition or sometimes just a crisis. They came to our home because our home was open. 
and my mom made sure that it was open. My friends were always welcome in our home. From my earliest friendships and right through my young adult years, my friends felt loved and accepted in our home. Mom let our house be the gathering place, even for a bunch of loud and silly teenage girls, if you can imagine that. Um, but that was it. Home was open. You could come here. We're going to love you. We're going to feed you. We're going to take care of you. My mom had a servant's heart and was active in our church. She was a Vacation Bible School staff regular and even helped out at other churches in various ways. I learned about strength and perseverance and stubbornness. If Jack was in here, you'd hear him say amen <laughs> from my mom, too. My dad died in an accident at work when I was nine. My brother was just turning two. Quite abruptly, my mom became a single mother at the age of 36. Nevertheless, even though that was like life-changing, our home was always secure. I never felt a moment of being insecure and afraid. My mom held it together for us. My mom and dad made a lasting impression on me. And lasting impressions, good or bad, we all have them, we all make them. And as I was thinking, the Lord kind of has been dealing with me for a while about this, and I kind of boiled it down to three ways, and there's probably more, but let's say three main ways that we can make impressions, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We have bubble blowers, we have paper printers, and we have cookie cutters, and that's what we're going to talk about today, and I'm going to use this to help us. Um, one of my favorite scriptures is Proverbs 27:17. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And I always read that and always think, you know, that's positive. Yes, we make each other better. But you know what? As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. That could be a bad thing if we are not, you know, we hang around with the wrong person or we are the wrong person. We need to be careful. That is, that's, it's, it is a, a challenge, if you will, you know, sharpening one another. We want to sharpen in the right way. We want to be sharpened in the right in the right way. We want it to be for good. So let's heed that. Let's take that seriously. As one man sharpens another, or as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We're going to be sharpening each other. How are we going to do it? That's the thing. How are we going to do that? Well, there's in my mind, there's three ways that we can do this. And the first is we can and we are bubble blowers. Okay? Now bubbles, I'm gonna make a mess up here, Pastor Tim, I'm sorry. They're kind of here, they're kind of gentle, they float along. Um, they don't last real, real long, but they're there. And they can kind of be fun. Mason and I, uh, play bubbles and he loves it okay so bubble blowers they float um, float along they're kind of pretty if you can see them in the light um, and everything but they are here and then gone very light touch and that's what I, I want to kind of help you to, to uh, see we can be bubble blowers in other people's lives we have had bubble blowers in our life and that could be People we may or may not know. There's a brief, quick encounter, okay? Maybe offering a smile, maybe an encouraging word, just doing something 
You know, somebody might do that to us and it speaks to us in, in some way. It's the most casual and it's the least invasive type of impression. And so just to help bring that uh, a little bit more clear, um, the bubble blowers in my life, Just I'm just going to name a couple of random things. This thing, again, just really quick. People didn't even know they were making an impression, but they did. It was just here and gone, but it still left an impression. And that was, oh gosh, I don't know how old I was, maybe 10, 11 years old. I was at a Pentecostal church in my area. It was Pleasant Valley Church. And I was a Baptist girl. I went to this Pentecostal church, and uh, there was a couple, a few pews in front of us, and it was a husband and wife. And they were, we were all singing, you know, from the hymn book. I don't know what song we were singing, but they had their arms locked around each other, you know, arm in arm, and they're just with the hymnal, and they're singing. That made an impression on 11-year-old me because, now, mind you, I had already met Jack. We just didn't know we were going to end up married. But I was, I remember telling God, that's what I want. I want to get married, and I want to marry a man that I can lock arms with and be in church. I want, you know... I mean, I don't even know if I understood what I was really saying or thinking, but it made an impression on me. Just they, they were in front of me. They didn't see me. They didn't know me. I was a guest. I came in. You know, I'd wander in there occasionally with friends or if they were having a special service. But man, you know, I remember seeing them standing there, and it was just like they were one, worshiping the Lord together as one. That really made an impression on me. A bubble blower, just there and gone, but it made an impression. Many, many, many years later, I'm here in Columbus. Jack and I were taking care of my mother-in-law. She had moved up here. And most of you know that story. And so she didn't live with us, but she lived right across from us, and we took care of her. Um, and uh, she was paralyzed on her right side, but still did amazingly well. Um, but, you know, it was not always easy to do that, you know, um, and, and everything. And, and uh, when I say that, I mean physically. That could be challenging. But anyway, there we were, and we would go every Friday. It was Mom Day, and we would take her to get her hair done, and we would get groceries, and we would get a meal, and then we'd go home, and then and we'd clean her apartment. And then Jack and I would go home and just be like, oh, <laughs> it was a long day. But we did it, and we were glad to do it because we wanted to take care of her. But anyway, sometimes we're rough, and she was, she was in a, I think, in the hospital or nursing home at the time. But again, we were every Friday, and we went to Meyer. And usually we ended up with this one cashier. And I was feeling kind of bad. I kind of got beat up by somebody uh, earlier that week, and he had no way of knowing it. Just somebody kind of said something hurt my feelings about, about my, you know, it can, be, it can be, family things can be challenging. And uh, he didn't know any of that. But we're going through, and he said, you know, you take really good care of your mother. Just ouch. He didn't know. I mean, I about busted into tears right there. His words, okay? He had no idea, but I really think the Lord sent him to be a bubble blower in my life that day because it was just what I needed to hear. So words can be encouraging. Little actions, people are looking. Words that we say can be encouraging. They can leave a mark. And uh, recently... I was with Josh and Sandy and Mason, and we were going through a drive-thru, and you know, it's crazy, and a lot of times people are, are working there at, you know, uh, maybe smaller staffing levels and everything, and this person was having a rough time. The, the person at the window was having a rough time. Somebody was giving them a rough time, you know, and everything. We get up there, and here's, here's my daughter-in-law, Sandy. You know, she hands them her card, and there's all this, and she said, thank you. 
Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for your time. I know you're really busy. And, you know, I'm sure that that was, a, at least I hope, a breath of fresh air for this person who was there just trying to do their job and getting a little bit beat up by it. You know, can we be the person that says, thank you, even if we had to wait a long time? Thank you. I appreciate you. You have value. That's the way we can be bubble blowers. That, that might seem kind of shallow and everything, but man, we don't know what kind of impact. And if we are followers of Christ, and heaven help us, if we're wearing like a Jesus t-shirt, we got those bumper stickers on our vehicles, boy, do we have to watch the kind of bubbles that we blow, right? Let's be ones that bring life. Let's bring ones that, that bring encouragement. Let's show some kindness. It is getting harder and harder to find that because we can find a million and one things to complain about. Stop. And you know what? I have to tell Let me tell you, this message is like for me. So I'm sharing it with you. It is like, Sarah, remember, you know, just speak life. Speak life. You know, uh, because again, iron sharpens iron. It could be for good. It could be for bad. Proverbs. Well, wait, first, I got to tell you what Mark Twain said, because I thought this was really good. The difference between the right word and the almost right word is the difference between lightning and a lightning bug. What do we want to be? Do we want to be bam, or do we want to just bring a glow to somebody, an encouragement? Life, life. Uh, in Proverbs 18.20, and by the way, in Proverbs, one out of every six verses talk about what we say and how we talk. I did not realize that, but I found that out. One out of every six verses. That's a lot. So it's important. That tells us it's important. Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 18, 19, uh, 18, 20, and 21. Wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. So let's be careful of what we say. Let's watch our actions and just present Christ in the best way that we can. The best way that we can so that we're ready for those bubble-blowing moments. Next, I didn't, just didn't have a good, a good title for this, so I, I settled on paper printers. Anybody know what this is? Yes, Silly Putty. Oh, now I'm going to tell you, I ordered this Silly, silly Putty from Amazon. I realized I was a little girl, but it really seemed like it used to be in a bigger container than this, honestly. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> but I would get, and you know what? I had to order it special because at the store they had Metallic City Silly Putty. And I'm like, no, I, <laughs> I just want Silly Putty. So if you remember, yeah, you know, as a kid, you could, you could roll this up, you could play with it. It has kind of a unique smell to it. And you could roll it up and bounce it. It bounces like a, a ball. And, and I just remember love playing with Silly Putty, but wasn't one thing we did with Silly Putty. Anybody? Yes. Yes. You'd take it, and the comics and the Sunday ones were the best, and you'd flatten it out, and then you'd rub it on the comics. Guess what? You can't do that anymore because the ink and paper and stuff they use now, doesn't, it doesn't transfer. Yeah. I'm glad I researched that and didn't go out and get a paper and bitterly disappoint all of us today. But there's still a way. So anyway, colored pencils to the rescue. You take your silly, silly putty. 
going to show this to our kids. I wonder how many of them know the secret. <laughs> in fact, I even have some extra ones. I'm going to put them in the kids' store because I had to buy like six of these. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, you, you lay that on your paper, and then I don't know if you can see that way. Okay, so we take this original, we press it together, and we made an impression. We made the same design on the putty. And that was a really fun, cool thing to do. So we can be bubble blowers, or we could be paper printers. And for me, that's just a little more intentional. Those other things are passing. We might not even be aware of it. Uh, but this is a little more intentional. You know, I had to, I had to get down there and, you know, press and press. And then we got this impression. So there are people, it takes a little more time, but you know, there's people that we influence or they're influ um, or we've been influenced by them or we influence them. It takes more time, it's a little more intentional. And, uh, this is, this is going to be the result. We want to leave, you know, that little bit of a lasting impression, a copy. Just, uh, perpetuate that. So I have a couple of people in my life, actually, again, many, but just a couple I want to highlight here today that helped kind of form what I look like today, what I do today. And this, again, more time, a little more intentional than just a bubble blowing, but, and it, it uh, gave a little bit more of a, a deeper impression. One of them is Pat Chugden. That's not even her last name anymore, but uh, it was Pat Chugden when I was growing up. And she was my Sunday school teacher when I was like preteen teen uh, in my Baptist church in Camel, Ohio. So she was my Sunday school teacher. She became my choir director. She became my friend over all those years. But when she was a teacher, I would remember I watched her. And watching her teach and serve the Lord influenced my calling to serve the Lord. I can tell you to this day exactly where I was standing in that Baptist church. There's a couple of different callings in my life, and I could tell you today where I was at. I was just standing out in the hall, and she was in there either leading class or getting starting to. And again, just like that couple I saw, I was like in my heart, God, that's what I want to do. I want to teach people about you. And again, really young preteen, maybe early teen. But wow, an impression. Just as I watched her serve the Lord, you know, and then she became my teacher and I got to be under her ministry. And she started making, just kind of leaving that mark, leaving that mark for me over the years, just watching her class after class of preteen and teen. And then as I grew older, I joined the church choir. And guess what? She was the choir director. I'm going to tell you, if you've never been part of a musical group, it can be a little bit challenging because we all have our ideas about volume and things like that. And she had such grace. She was related to many of them that were in the choir and everything, but she had such grace and just how she handled things and how she served with excellence and everything. Again, made a mark, made an impression for me. And then later, as I became an adult, she became my peer as we got to serve together in a Christian women's group. We got to be on a board together. And wow, I mean, just just watching her example just left that impression on me. Same church. I was a young girl, Reverend Karenko. He's the one, he took me in the back porch of where I lived, and he said, he's the one that had to tell me that my dad died. 
know, I mean, I knew something was wrong. I, the whole events of the day, something was wrong. And in my nine-year-old heart, I was waiting for it. But he took me in the back, and he's the one that had to break it to me. The dad had passed. I remember every word he said to me for the rest of my life. But there was more than that. Over the years, well, a week later, this had already been planned. Nobody knew this was going to happen. But a week later, I was baptized at that church on Easter Sunday. And, uh, yeah, nothing, even even my dad's passing definitely didn't stop that. It's still going on. That's a man who, uh, under his ministry, I was saved. He's the one that went through a really personally difficult time. And he baptized me. And the only reason he didn't marry Jack and I is because he had since moved on to another church. But, man, what an, what an awesome man he was. Over the years, he made sure to make me feel special. And, and looking back, I see the wisdom that he had because he was looking out for a young fatherless girl. Now, I didn't realize that at the time. But when I'd come to church, he would greet me and just make me feel so special because here he would do. He'd say this, There she is, Miss America. He did that so many times. Why did he do that? Because I was a young fatherless girl. and He wanted to make sure. Now, my mom was awesome. And everything, but boy, did he—he he took that on personally. That he—I wished—I wished I could say—and he's in glory now. But wow, that really made me feel special, you know—a a, preteen girl, teenage girl, just doing that. He—he he spent time with us. He regularly visited our home, and everything. And I'll never forget his kind and servant servant heart. He left a mark on me. Both of these people. And so many more have shown me attributes just a long life's way that I wanted to make sure I copied and modeled in my own life, that I could just share that then with other people. And our scriptures say, let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. These are people that knew their conversation was seasoned with salt. Philippians 2.5, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And finally, 1 Corinthians 10, um, 32 and 33, and then 11, 1. Don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or the church of God. I, too, tried to please everyone. This is Paul. In everything I do, I too try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that they, so that many may be saved. And you should imitate me as I imitate Christ. Is that like a heavy thing to say? You should imitate me as I imitate Christ. What I see in these verses, and there's many more, I'm just picking some, I see humbleness. I see gentleness, I see love, I see wisdom. That can only come, honestly, the power of the Holy Spirit. Man, we cannot do that on our own. Right? Just being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles. Let me speak to today's word. How can we not give offense to somebody? We can, we can trip long and wrong and make offense to somebody. Man, how, do, how much more do we need the Lord to show us? But just acting with gentleness, with esteeming others better than 
or, you know, more important than ourselves, just giving of ourselves, being able to quench sometimes that anger and that outrage or, or whatever. Just, okay, let me be a level head. That doesn't mean, okay, yeah, I know you're sinning and you're fine, you're fine. No, but there's a gentle way. And, you know, that we can only know that through our Father, through the power of Holy Spirit. We can only do that through Him. So then we can say, and you should imitate me as I imitate Christ. That is such a tall order. That is such a tall order. But Paul said it. He was not being, you know, arrogant or anything. Just showing that's the kind of servant's heart. And boy, if we could do that, if we could be those kinds of paper printers, think how that can multiply. So we have the bubble blowers, we have the paper printers, and finally we have the cookie cutters. And that, a whole lot more time, and I hope I can get this out. This one sometimes hurts. Okay. This one sometimes hurts. Okay? Because if you've ever played with Play-Doh, you know, you're kind of squishing your hands, you're rolling it, pounding it, making all things. Remember remember those little Play-Doh factories and you put it into a, a mold and, you know, okay. So, <laughs> a little bit more intense, right? Um, and so I got this cute little thing that I'm looking forward to someday playing with Mason. With, he has no idea, you know, the things he has to look forward to. <laughs> but... Anyway, cookie cutters. So those make, this This was a bubble blowers, kind of casual, kind of there, and, and, you know, but it does make a difference. And we have the impressions. This is like the most intense because it's more than just making like a, a little, imp it is really redefining the shape. It's a really serious kind of impression. And examples of cookie cutters in my life were my mom and dad. That's who I began with. Definite cookie cutters. Shaped who I am to this day. To this day. And that can happen to us in good ways and not so good, as we know, with people that are the closest to us. So again, cookie cutters, they can hurt the most, but they can help too. Because sometimes people say things to us that might hurt, but they are for our good too. Okay. There's another word for being a cookie cutter, in my mind, and that's discipleship. So we really start getting into the meat, okay? Discipleship. And that's kind of the hardest thing to do, because it does take time. It takes effort. It takes study. It takes getting to know one another and just being willing to invest that amount of time and, and effort into it. My sister Flo, and again, uh, you know, I had a lot of older half-siblings, and um, Loved them all. We all referred to each other as brother and sister. I have one older brother left in my family, and then I have my younger brother, Bob. And it's hard for me to believe. But my sister, Flo, was the one I was closest to. She spent a lot of time with us. She was one that was in and out, spending, you know, living with us for a time and stuff. And I loved her, but boy, did she make me mad. <laughs> oh, I'd be so, because she was mean. My mean sister, Flo, because she didn't put up with any guff. I mean, you would have thought she was in the Marine Corps. Instead of my dad, some of the things she'd say to me, you know, like, do this, and did you make your bed, and Sarah Ann, because in her mind, and she was right, my mother really spoiled me. You know, she grew up totally different, and what do you mean she doesn't do the dishes, you know, things like that, you know, and so, you know, my sister Flo was like, oh, but guess who I went to when I really needed to talk to somebody? 
Guess who, up until that final year when she passed, who would I call from time to time? And sometimes she'd say, okay, what's wrong? I didn't always just call her. I called her sometimes just to talk with her too. But boy, if I had a dilemma, who did I go to? I went to my sister Flo. Because through all of those years of her making me mad and making me do things that maybe I didn't want to, she was making an impression too. And I knew that. And I knew I could I could rely on her. I knew she'd be there for me. I knew she wouldn't steer me wrong. She loved the Lord. You know, she was a believer and everything. She was just very stern about a whole lot of things. So I miss her. There are times to, to this day I wish that I could just pick up the phone and call her. She's been gone now several years. Anyway, cookie cutter people. You, you know, in your mind, you're probably thinking about people that have done that to you. They've helped shape who you are. And there are people in our lives that we have helped shape who they are. What a responsibility that is. But what an honor. What a blessing to be able to do that. We need to be mindful of that with our children, with our grandchildren, with, you know, people around us that we spend time with. You know, if we're leading something, we can be a cookie cutter in their life. Who is a cookie cutter in our life? We've got to be careful. Are they helping us cut on the right edges? Are they encouraging us to be all that we can be for the Lord? Other people that have been cookie cutters in my life and have changed me is my husband, Jack. You know, we don't always agree, but I'll tell you, there's some things he's said and done that have made me a better person. I hope he could say the same of me. Our son, Josh, boy, becoming a parent, that'll cut you. <laughs> oh, it's great. It's great, but man, it's challenging. Uh, another pastor in my life, Reverend Kent McMahon, he was the one who married Jack and I, and guess what he did? He met with this young, inexperienced couple, and we're talking and everything, and here he goes. A weird thing to come up in your marriage counseling is, yeah, you know, we need a couple of youth counselors. I think you guys can do it. He had no experience, but there he was shaping us. You know what? That was the beginning of a lifetime of just being in ministry in some form or fashion for the Lord and doing it together. Remember that couple that I saw arm in arm? Doing it together. So Reverend McMahon. John Musgrave, who is my boss to this day. I've worked for him here 16 years, and I forget how many before when we were living in Youngstown. Opportunity after opportunity, training, um, talking, just all kinds of things that he helped shape and helped me to grow. Tim House, you're a good cookie cutter. I've seen you've helped in my life and made impressions you probably don't even know. And I see you do that in other people, too. You have a gift for seeing the gifts in people and bringing them out. You're a good cookie cutter. just want you to know that. So I've been blessed. Sometimes I look over, Jack and I will talk about the people that we have come to know over the years, the people that, that the Lord has put in our lives, and what a blessing it is because we have some good bubble blowers. We have some good paper printers. We have some good cookie cutters, and I'm thankful for each one. And I want to be the same thing to other people around me. I want to, and sometimes I fail so miserably, but I want to. I want to keep trying. We're talking about being a good cookie cutter. Just a couple of scriptures. Matthew 5:16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Can we be that kind of an influence that people see that and like, wow, just make that impression? We're not going to do that with everybody. We're not going to do that every day, but we can strive for it. Let our light shine.
before others. Let them see good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And we can't talk about being a good cookie cutter, being discipleship without touching on the Great Commission. Matthew 18, verses 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's our commission. That's our command to go out and do that. Let's reach people. Let's, let's always be an encouragement. Let's be somebody that can be worth following and let's not be afraid to make that impression with the wisdom and grace of the Holy Spirit of our Father. We need that. So we need, and in order to do that, we've got to make sure that we let God be our cookie cutter. And you know, sometimes it's not always, even with the Lord, I don't think it's always, bam, cookie cutter. I think there are times that we get little bits of bubble that kind of blow by. Might be a thought, a little bit of an impression that's there. Let's let's be so in tune with the Lord and His Holy Spirit that we can be we can recognize that. Even when it's something as soft as a bubble blows. Let's be ready to to have make good impressions, to be that um, paper I want to say paper pusher, but you know, uh, just to be that, to make that impression on other people, that if they come and have some time with us, they might leave looking and feeling a little bit different. And let's be cookie cutters. But we need to, again, I'm kind of losing my track here, but we need to let the Lord make his impression on us daily, his impression, um, whether it's through a quick paper transfer or whether it is indeed a cookie cutter. Let him make that impression on us every day. We've got to be sensitive to that. How do we do it? It's something as simple as, and we tell the kids this in kids' church all the time. You know, you got to pray. You got to spend time with the Lord. You got to seek the Holy Spirit. Um, you've got to stay in His Word. These are the things. I mean, it's simple. That's what we have to do. We got to be praying, gather together with one another, study His Word, seek the Holy Spirit, be sensitive, be open every day. Every day. It's not just a one time or, you know, like, oh, you know, I came Sunday and now I'm good for the rest of the week. And I need the Lord's presence and renewal every single day. Every single day. So we're going to close, and I want to close with Philippians 4, 5. And that is, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Now, when I hear that, it seems kind of abrupt. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. What? What does that mean? Sometimes I look at a different passage of scripture just to um, to uh, understand that more fully. And in the message it says, celebrate God all day, every day. I mean revel in him. Make it as clear as you can to all you meet that you're on their side, working with them and not against them. Help them see the master is about to arrive. That's what it means. The Lord is near. He is about to arrive. He could show up at any minute. If that doesn't spur each of us to, first of all, be sensitive to the impressions the Lord's making on our life, and then to be able to reach out and make an impression on other people, 
Again, you don't have to run out on the sidewalk today and start grabbing people and go, Jesus loves you and so do I. But there are ways we can make all kinds of impressions. A casual one, something that involves a little bit more time, something that requires true discipleship. Let's be willing to have that happen in our lives. Let's be willing to share that with everybody else. Let's be world changers. We can change the world because the master is about to arrive. He could show up at any minute. We need to be world changers. Our world is desperate. You know, our families are desperate. Our neighbors are desperate. Can we be desperate too for ourselves and for them? Let's do that. Let let us be gentle and sensitive to those around us. At the end of at worship, when Pastor Tim, you were talking about let's let's you know let's be loud, let's let's raise up a shout. I just wrote, let's be world changers. We've got seats that are empty here. Let's we all want to see those seats filled. So let's fill those seats. But listen. Let there be seats upon seats upon seats and row upon row upon row in the kingdom of God when we meet together for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Because that's what it's all about. That is what it's all about. There is a lot at stake here. Lord God, help my heart to always remember that. Let's pray. Father God, I do. I mean it. Because sometimes I'm just, I can get kind of caught up in emotions or frustrations, or being tired or just being fed up. But Lord God, let me always be aware that I represent you and there is so much at stake. Father God, I pray for each one of us, Lord God, that we would go out of here willing to make lasting impressions so that we can change the world. Because that is what you have told us to do and that is what through your word and through your spirit, through your son, you have equipped us to do. Father God, I pray for that. Lord God, just be with us as we release from here, Father God. Let us be mindful of this every single day. And Lord God, when we fall, Lord, that we wouldn't just say, forget it, I'm a failure at this. No, pick up, Lord God, and do it again. Because Lord, there is a world, and we see it more and more. Lord, there is a world that is desperately hurt. We see anger, we see yelling and everything, but there is a world that is sick and desperately hurting and desperately needs to hear you and hear your message. Lord God, let us be the messengers that can go out and make that impression. Father God, I ask it in Jesus' name. Bless us, Lord, as we go out into the world, into the battlefield.